0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, who do you say that i am simon peter answered you are the messiah the son of the living god and jesus answered him blessed are you simon son of jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father in heaven and i tell you You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. You may be seated. Growing up, one of my favorite TV shows ever was the hit PBS series, Arthur. Not only did the show feature the silly antics of a third grader named Arthur the Aardvark. But the show also has like one of the best theme songs ever. Uh, If you don't know it, it's called Believe in Yourself by Ziggy Marley, who put like his whole heart into this theme song, I would look it up. But the show Arthur features the silly and thoughtful antics of growing up and starting to learn what it's like to get along with people who are different from you. One of Arthur's best friends on the show is named Alan. But all of his friends know Alan as the brain. You see, the brain knew everything. He had like a peculiarly genius level intelligence for an eight-year-old solving quadratics in his bedroom along with questions of physics and the behaviors of humankind. I didn't believe it, but he was very committed to that. Brain was like always right. He was always the student who raised his hand first in the class. He never faltered. Brain was ever poised in comparison to Arthur's friends. Time and time again, he proved he really was the brain on that show. And I kind of was annoyed for him for it. Like, come on, everybody. Gives the other kids some chance. But truth be told, the kid had some brains. This character of the brain from literally my favorite show ever, Arthur, came to mind for me this week because he really stands in stark contrast to one of the gospel's favorite lovable goofballs of the disciples, Peter. Peter has certainly not got all the poise of the brain. We've all many times shook our heads lovingly about dear Peter, We've seen him walk on water and fall. Generally in the gospel, Peter is the one who speaks up. That he doesn't quite understand the parable that Jesus shared or he misinterprets the metaphor. He ends up speaking for Jesus without yet consulting him and even denies Jesus at his arrest. It's for sure in the Bible, Peter is really not the brains of the operation. And yet, in our Gospel text today, it seems that whatever Peter lacks in brains is made up for in the faith that he's received in God. I imagine the scene where Peter and the disciples were sitting in our text today. They rest somewhere in the shade of Caesarea Philippi. They are tired and sweaty from walking, and so they gather for some downtime among friends and with their teacher. So Jesus just casually asks, what do people say the Son of Man is? They list off like the greatest hits of prophets. Elijah, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, these well-known men from histories of recent pasts, of patriarchs and prophets. But Jesus is looking for an answer of the moment. He points the question towards a more narrow lens. He says, but who do you say that I am? Dear Peter, Beloved one who has fallen on his face says well, you are the Messiah the son of the living God It is this gift of truth Peter shares that Jesus proclaims that the church will be built on. It is this statement that indicates the solid rock of God's reign that shall be faith in Christ. This is a major claim of the gospel. It is the first time the church has been mentioned at all. And it comes from the offset of not any one of the particularly brainy disciples, but from one messy and faithful man, Peter. And so we learn Christ hasn't sought out the perfect. In fact, Christ doesn't call us to be perfect at all. No, Peter's faith isn't found through his own ways, but through God. We are liberated from trying to be perfect if we learn from Peter in this way. This should be like endlessly fabulous news to us (laughs) because being perfect seems to be like the opposite of what any of us can do. And we know that well as Lutherans, right? We are prone to err, we're prone to make mistakes. We know this, we know our nature, we know our faults. We know that we are not always able to trust our own judgment. And yet, in our world today, we often still become stuck on thinking that we can attain some kind of perfection, some kind of faultlessness. It just becomes a little sneakier. We use other words to describe it. We still try to go about our days trying to do everything right. Maybe it's the pressure to do extra well in school, to never fail a test, to never get a B, to always get straight A's. Maybe it is the pressure to have a lot of friends and be popular, to make money, to find success. All the signs that someone's life is good and normal, that they are living the perfect life, the dream. The pressure to be perfect sneaks up on us in our desires to always say the right things, never falter, always have a response. I don't know about you, but if I knew Jesus and I was following him around, I'd be like super embarrassed if I made a mistake around that guy. (laughs) I would feel pressure to have the right thing to say. Even if that means remaining silent when it comes time to say the thing that's hard, the messy thing, the vulnerable thing. All of this pressure to be perfect sneaks up on us in small ways. Never take a day off of work. Push yourself to the point where you can't work any longer. Even though we know well, like I said already, that as Lutherans, we are not perfect we still fall into those traps. We fall into traps of thinking if we just work hard and focus on ourselves, no one will actually see that we are messy, like complicated humans, that we're like on the brink of being too overwhelmed to do anything, that we don't have every answer, that we actually need to take care of ourselves to rest. When I was eight years old, my class was assigned a chapter book to read called Be a Perfect Person in three days, and for whatever reason, it was a book that I still think of to this day thanks to my lovely third grade teacher, Mrs. Kathy Miller, who had a phenomenal impact on me. In this book, the main character finds a guide on how to be perfect, and he follows it. He begins to master the art of perfection, being perfectly poised, always knowing what to say. And by the end of the book, he finally attains perfection. And it turns out to be that perfect people in this story all sit around perfectly quietly in a room by themselves, sipping tea, and like never talking. To be perfect was to never speak out this book, to never cause a scene, to always be sitting down quietly, sipping tea, and essentially doing nothing. Now, as much as I love tea, as a kid, this book scared the entire class. We all decided we don't want to be perfect. Sounds boring. Where was any of the fun in that? Being perfect seemed to ask us as kids, to stifle bits of who we are, being so afraid of failure that we limit our own potential. Beloved children, our gospel text today reminds us that God doesn't call the perfectly poised. God works in the mess, in the not so tidy of homes, in the questioners, in the weary, the hyperactive and the meek. God works in us in the fullness of who we are, in the times we fall, in the times we speak out. God doesn't need you to be the brain. God didn't need the brain to be the brain, if we want to talk the theology of Arthur. <laughs> God doesn't need you to sit perfectly still all the time, sipping tea and never stepping out. Like Peter, who had fallen and failed, and will fail more in the gospel, God revealed to Peter the truth of Jesus' presence, not because of Peter's perfection, but because of the fullness of Christ, which is welcome to all people who embrace it, no matter who you are and not out of your own works. God is at work in us all. God builds the foundation of the church in the least expecting places, in the places labeled as failures, as unwanted, as unclean, as rejected. God is at work in those places, building up the reign of Christ's love where all are free and nourished. What beauty there is in these words. We remember in Peter's bold proclamation today that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, that God works not through perfect people, but through the mess of people, the people who are willing to make mistakes and stand out in their faith. We do all these things not through our own works, but through God's grace. The revelation Peter had through God of Jesus and his messianic identity is one that serves for the rock of the church. And is a revelation that is welcome to all young and old all genders races and mother tongues we all receive God's presence in our life we all are a part of the body of Christ that is what we remember in our gospel text today what an honor it is to live into the fullness who God has made us to be together as we hold to the steadfast rock of faith God provides for us in Christ we are liberated into love into messiness and imperfection so that all may be free amen